Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Well, hello everyone and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 109. And sitting with me around our table at MotorWeek Central is writer, producer, and two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Glad to have you with us. You certainly are. And assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Good to be here. And our writer, Patrick Lucas. I brought donuts. <laughs> well, himself. that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> you guys want some? There's three left. <laughs> All right. We've got lightning around. We have a viewer questions. But we always start off our podcast with a couple of the latest cars that are in our inventory. And uh, two cars of uh, fairly prestigious ones this week. We're going to start with the 2015 Mercedes-Benz C-Class, clearly a car that almost everyone in the industry uses as a benchmark for uh, a uh, luxury automobile. Not uh, Nothing like an entry uh, car anymore, the C-Class. Comments? Met your expectations? Exceeded them? What do you think? I think you hit it on, on it right there. I mean, the C-Class was kind of the entry-level and maybe not quite up to the level of E-Class and S-Class, but now with the CLA kind of anchoring that uh, spot, C-Class has moved up market a little bit. I think it got a lot nicer inside. Um, pretty much all the safety features you can get on, on an S class for that. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it looks it looks great. I, I really like the interior. Really nice. Really impressive. Really, uh, I was even driving to work this morning. Really quiet. Luxury, like. Real luxury car, quiet inside. We used to make a lot of excuses for a C-Class. Not anymore. Yeah, it's really nice. It looks good. Um, I like the... The functionality of the uh, the center controls—they're a little funky, mm-hmm. but yeah, they look I, cool. I had some issues with those only yeah. because I kept making inputs that I swipe didn't left, mean. Swipe left, swipe right, yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. I, but I think it's you would figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't have enough time to kind of get yeah. used to the subtle nuances of stuff like that. Here's a question I've got for you. We used to always in our reviews, and most people still do when they're comparing cars in this class. I don't know what you want to call these. I guess we can still call them compact luxury, although hardly compact and certainly not more than just a little luxury. I don't see this car and the 3 Series as competitors anymore. What do you think about that? Hmm. To me, I mean, you can talk about them in the same – they occupy the same general Mm -hmm. place in the lineups, but I just think their personalities are too different. I agree. Yeah, I I also agree. I don't know. I think they're still – you know – BMW emphasizes the sport a little more, but I mean you can get C63 AMG that's pretty much right there with the M4. So mm-hmm. um, I think Mercedes just puts a little more priority on the luxury and BMW, especially at the puts, bottom end. Yeah, but um, yeah, I would still consider them the same class. All right, that's Sorry. very logical. I mean, it's kind of whether you call it a uh, sport luxury or luxury sport. Uh, the because even the three series now, I have trouble calling it a pure sports sedan because it drives so much like a luxury car in a lot of aspects. Uh, anything else about the C-Class? Um, oh, did you want to say something? Two arms. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> rock, paper, scissors for it. Um, the, I guess the nitpick it, the uh, piano black on the uh, interior, 
is pretty awful uh, in terms of just. I mean, piano. It doesn't, I'm not just saying that for Mercedes. Any piano is it because of the awful. fingerprints? Yeah, the fingerprints. You can scratch it by doing pretty much anything to it, and it's you can never keep it clean. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks. The only time it looks good is when it's brand new and nobody's ever touched it, and then you're always working to keep it looking that good, and it never does. So I could do without that. I could also do without the the way they put the screen. The uh, like the nav oh, screen right. on there, oh, it's like tacked on, tacked on yeah, the top. You don't the, like that. Lot, you must have, yeah, it's kind of annoying. It, 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 we've complained about it on the uh, CLA and GLA. It does bring it a little closer yeah. to you, which would be practical if it were a touchscreen, but I don't think it's even a touchscreen. It's right? not a touchscreen. No, it's not a touchscreen. Yeah, so I don't really, I guess you can see it a little better, but I could, it would make more sense to me if it were a touchscreen. What do you think about the direction of styling that they've now brought the fairly swoopy look? Uh, all the way, you know, to to all of their models, or they're intending to. I really like the look of the front end. Um, I think the headlights and the LED runners and the the hood from the I would say from the windshield forward, it looks mm-hmm. really nice. Profile is pretty decent, but the rear end is like, and the trunk is like oddly short. Is it too mm-hmm. pinched looking? It, it it's it's pinched and also just look like snubbed like they just hmm. chopped off way too much when you're moving back your eyes move like, back oh we can't make it any longer all than of a sudden yeah the car just ends and I it looks that way weird. about the cla too and it looks very similar to that um yeah good point patrick very good point thanks, thanks guys. Guys. good job you're almost better than his <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if you how you feel about the styling of the next one actually do we really care the 2015 <laughs> bentley flying spur v8 V8 instead of the 12. Did they really lose anything with the four less cylinders? I mean, pretty awesome car. Yeah, I mean, our acceleration times were like within a tenth of the yeah. 12. Um, and if you, unless you drove them back to back, you certainly wouldn't notice any drop in power. Uh, Maybe a slight drop in smoothness, but that the big thing you have debatable. to keep in mind is you know much like the Continental GT Coupe before it, um, these this engine isn't really for our market. I mean, obviously it's cheaper, better fuel economy. People can appreciate it, but it's mainly for the Chinese market where, uh, and I think some European markets as well, any engine over four liters gets a heavy tax added onto it. So that's why this one comes in at 3.998 mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so it's really for the Chinese market, not necessarily for ours. But Although you always question it. whether somebody that can afford to, you know, the price of a, a Bentley is going to worry too much about the tax, but I guess they do. Yeah, sure. Anything about the car? I mean, we've, we've, tested every Bentley you know model that's out there uh, numerous times and we always come back with the feeling that you know in the the famous Rolls-Royce and Bentley split up uh, Bentley I think got the best stuff I mean their cars continue to be a pleasure to drive and actually I thought this one was probably one of the most fun yeah I can agree I can agree with that um I mean, for a big, heavy car, yeah, it I, did not feel yeah. I drove it at the track, cumbersome at all, and yeah, through our normal cone test, it handled much better than you would expect a car that big to really mm-hmm. handle. And a lot of that has to go through, or it has to do with the the suspension and everything. I will say that you have to make sure that if you're going to push the car, be in sport uh, settings mm-hmm. for the suspension and everything, because it will get kind of soft um, if you're not. But yeah, I mean, this car is the lap of luxury. It's the craftsmanship is just out of this world and uh driving it really is like you said it's just it's a pleasure driving it and this same basic chassis is used by a lot of other stuff at volkswagen mm-hmm. yeah I think panamera eight all that mm-hmm. stuff and i it's been around for a while now yes, i, I gotta think it's getting to the end of its uh, lifespan i mean this basic chassis started out as the uh the volkswagen phaeton 
If I can pick on one thing in the uh, in the interior, which I seem to be doing a lot this podcast, really nice. picky, picky, picky. It's picky. the infotainment. You have to be picky these days. So much the other rest of the cars is, are that's terrific. That's true, but yeah, the infotainment is yeah. really far behind. It's very laggy, uh, and even the backup camera quality is just poor. It seems to be a British uh, staple, pretty much. Whether it's them or Jaguar or Land Rover, even terrible voice recognition. Mm. Uh, on a lot of the systems that we've seen lately from uh, Europe. Uh, I've, I've been very surprised how badly they've been compared to the best that we've seen from domestic and Japanese. Yeah, but who needs that when you have a bottle cooler in the back? That's yeah. right. I guess maybe your chauffeur would still drive it. Anyway. Yeah. But more than any other car, I think Greg said, the, the quality and craftsmanship is out of this world. And you get in there and you close the door, it's like a bank vault shut, and <laughs> you're totally excluded from the common people as you uh, <laughs> cruise your way down the highway in silence. It's Was amazing. this 250, 240? Uh, a little over, yeah, a little yeah. over 200 to start. Yeah, but, the extras we had were like 50 grand worth of extras. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Remember when the Continentals, though, were... were one twenty. I mean, they're talking about prices that have skyrocketed. Was Bentley it that prices. low? I yeah, I think it was one. I, I think maybe it was one fifty. But they've had they've tacked on in about a decade. I think about a hundred thousand dollars to their. Well, their price. sales have keep going up. Yeah. So it's uh, obviously the right strategy. Make a lot of money. Okay, that's good on the Bentley, and we're now going to move on to our lightning round where we've got two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. When the time is up, Patrick's here with the bell. Oh, those are the donuts. Patrick there. just hit his donuts. There. Are... Got it. You don't know, to don't know the difference between the donuts and the bell. I'm right. starting to think you brought Don't put the bell on your mouth. All right, here, here we go. In December, is December, is December, the last month of the year, really the best time to buy a car? Should people rush out to make a purchase before year's end? What do you think? I would say so, particularly on a you know like a high volume model if they got a bunch maybe leftovers or a recently uh, refreshed car. Uh, I don't think you're probably going to get a great deal on something that's a big seller that you know they don't have a lot on the lot. But yeah, it's going to be the end of the year. They got to get got rid of those things, especially if they've got say in this case a lot of 14s left over and the 15s are already out. Right. So, would this be a good time to shop for a car that? is introducing a new model year soon or are you just saying the end of the year for any car generally speaking i looked up uh, a list of the amount of uh, discounts and the discounts from month to month don't vary that much but you have both the end of the month and the end of a year so you've got extra sales incentives and Mm -hmm. targets that have to be met uh they say that uh, Black Friday, while it's good for retail, is also good for car dealers. They, that's one of the five or six best days of the year to buy. They say most of the rest of them are in December, with the absolute very best day being New Year's Eve. My personal experience, uh-huh. you start shopping anytime the last two weeks of December, and a dealer is going to be very anxious to make a deal with you. But the best deals are obviously, as you noted, are going to be on leftovers. So we're right. heading into 15. If he's got 14s on the lot, that's where the manufacturers have given the biggest incentives. Incentives, the amount of money back from a dealer uh, because the manufacturers are giving him a break, that's at High numbers right now, but it's actually a smaller percentage of the price because the price of the cars keep moving up. But right now, a three thousand uh, dollar rebate, low financing, or some kind of incentive is fairly normal, unless, like you said, something in high demand. 
So uh, get your finances in order. If you're a small business, talk to your accountant because they may tell you absolutely to get something before the end of the year. And it's also a good time to be looking at stuff that's out of favor. If you think you want a minivan, the next few months are a good time to buy it, not May or June. Uh, On the other hand, if you want something with four-wheel drive, this may not be a good time to buy. You might want to look at sedans, but uh, good time to look. And I did all the talking. Anybody else want to throw in anything? Not much of debate there. All right. Good time to go out and buy it. Go spend some of that uh, money you're saving on gasoline. Now let's talk about a viewer question. This one's from Candace. She says, first, and she's giving us a compliment, a very <laughs> nice one, let me say how much I thoroughly enjoy the show. Thank you, Candace, very much. Secondly, my car headlight casings are very foggy and cloudy in appearance and give me great visibility difficulty when driving at night. The headlights appear dim during night driving. Can you tell me how I go about resolving this hazard? Most headlights nowadays have uh, uh, plastic lenses. Those plastic lenses get scratched. They cloud up, and they can become a real problem. So, guys, what should she do? Yeah, there's certainly uh, ways to get rid of that. Um, 3M makes some some good products, which are um, essentially just lens restoration kits, um, which will come with uh, varying uh, levels of sandpaper um, and some some different uh, cleaning agents that you throw on there. And it it is a bit of a process, but they've actually made it easier now. They've even got stuff that you can put on your power tools or drill. Uh, Mother's also has one off the top of my head. So, yeah, I mean, if you can devote a couple minutes, you know, let's just call it an, an, an hour. And, uh, yeah, you can get rid of that stuff. And I know it's nasty. It's nasty stuff, and it doesn't look good, and it really can be a hazard, like you're saying. But you're talking, in that case, do it yourself, and for 20 bucks, 25 bucks, you can probably buy a kit, and I'm sure there's others out there, too. Yeah, I mean, basically, you're just taking off the front, you know, the layer, outside layer of the headlight housings, which I've heard, I don't know to be true. I've never actually done it myself, but I've heard that then once you do that, you kind of increase the time that they cloud up again, mm. just because you're, they have a protectant on there and you're basically taking all that off. And, uh, so once you've done it once, you're probably going to do it again another yeah, year or, or so. I would put some kind of protectant, you know, on there to try to further the, I, the only, I would be hesitant about, <clears throat> I don't know why this would be the case if it is at all, but higher end cars, different. I don't mm-hmm. know. I would be hesitant messing around with the the headlights and the, the I don't know, just the the surfaces. I would I would be hesitant to. You you'd take it to a professional. Well, I mean, if you slipped up and you know scratch well, the paint, uh, headlight like housings that. are very expensive. Yeah, exactly. They can cost hundreds of dollars because Thousands they include everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that case, talk to the dealer. I'm sure the dealer either does it themselves at their body shop or they know somebody. <laughs> well, I, I know they these same people that come to dealerships to touch up um, paint, mm-hmm. they often do it. And the dealer may charge you a couple hundred bucks, but the guy may charge the dealer 75 But check around. Uh, go to, like, Craigslist and see if there's any listings. Talk to several body shops. Even ask the dealer. You'll probably find a wide range of prices. And basically, they all do pretty much the same thing. Now, does someone mention something about putting something on in the first place so that this never happens? Like a, no. It comes to the manufacturing with the coating. I mean, just because of the process. Is there something aftermarket you can buy there? Like right when the car is new, yeah, you, you can get like the something. clear coating things to pop on there, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I have no idea if that will make any difference or not because no. sometimes it's atmospheric. It's just you know, it's it's right. just out there, the ozone and everything. But sure, you could try that. 
See if there's some. I bet if you Google it, there's some oh, kind of guarantee there's uh, some, some kind of coding out there. You can know whether on. or not it works. You know, Candace, if you don't want to do it yourself, talk to the dealer or body shop or even not a grocery shop. Option. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, you'll find some help there. It is a problem that is here. Everybody has it eventually, and it's growing. So you're not alone. That's scary. Yeah. You and know, on an time, ominous note. Somebody, every time something gets better, there's usually a downside. But there's no downside to our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who made us sound great again this week. And our po- yeah, How'd you like that little transition? Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and our podcast producer, Patrick Lucas, the man with the donuts and the and bell. The, and Thank the you all for joining us for our last podcast, uh, probably, of 2014. Oh. Of one, this is number 109. Be sure to catch Motor Week every week on most public television stations. You can go to our website, motorweek.org, for a complete station listing. And also weekly on the Velocity Channel. For all of us at Motor Week, thank you very much for watching and listening to Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.